stuff. But Samuel, man, it's an absolutely pleasure to have you here today, man. It's a pleasure to be here, Francis. Yeah, um, yeah it's, you know, it's not often I get invited to sit down and talk in a relaxed environment without, yeah. you know, 100 people or four or five people who are who yeah. are clients. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. You're used to all the big meetings, isn't it? That's why it's a slightly a bit different setting to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. usual stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, speaking to a camera, to a mic is, yeah. is a bit different. But, you know, at the end of the day, where I can offer value, it's always an honour, you know, and again, obviously, to work with like-minded people, people that are forward-thinking for mm. for others, you know, that, that for me, that's my heart, to give value. So, yeah, it's a yeah, pleasure to be here. Most definitely. And that's one of the main reasons why I have you here today, because in the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been in touch a bit more than we had previously since we got introduced to each other, yeah. maybe a couple of years back, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you've, you've truly inspired me in that short period of time that we've, we've spoken, and obviously, okay. we're going to get into the reasons why and, and what you do. So, can you just break down who are you and what is it exactly that you do? So the public or the audience or the listeners get a great understanding. Excellent. So mm -hmm. my name's Samuel Ikimwin. I'm known most of the time by as the from the acronym or the name Samuel I Can Win. Dope. And uh, <laughs> the reason the reason why is because I'm quite prolific on social media, yeah. um, Facebook. You can catch me on Instagram. Simply I Can Win. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Effectively, in the simplest sense, you know. People have called me a pastor uh, because, you know, my heart is for the things of God and yeah. the ministry. Um, but at its, at its bare bones, I'm an entrepreneur and I, I understand and define an entrepreneur as someone who solves problems. So my passion is to solve problems. My major problem I like to solve for people is helping them understand how to increase their value. Mm. And in terms of my business, my main business, which generates revenue for me, that's through means of property investment. So... In a nutshell, I, I work with people who have problems. Uh, there's nine particular cases of problems, people who need to migrate, people who have debts, um, et cetera, et cetera, people who have divorced, et cetera, I could go yeah. on. But basically, I work with people who have problems and help them sell their properties very quickly. Um, I work with my wife. Um, again, you know, it's an asset to work with your family. And basically, our key emphasis is, is being ethical. How can we ethically help and solve problems with a win-win-win solution? And side by side with obviously helping the people who have these particular problems, we also work with a group of investors and help those investors to generate better returns on their money. So, you know, some of these investors have, you know, certain amounts of money, you yeah. know, without divulging, where basically they sit that money in the bank, they make 1% over a period of a year or the reality is a lot less than one percent um whereas you know lucratively investing that money through means of our organization or through means of us and deals that we are doing um they're able to make better returns so bank mm. beating returns is effectively our, our our tagline for the investors we work that, with that's an amazing bio and you pretty much covered a lot already in terms of like that introduction but um going back again you you said your main vehicle of um business per se is property yeah so why should i invest in property as in in relations to all the other businesses that are out there why did you choose this particular vehicle and why should me or anyone else choose property all right so mm. i'm gonna separate the question first like yeah. in terms of me because you asked why did i choose this vehicle for mm. me i chose the vehicle out of a, a sense of calling i do mm. believe like even from very early ages I knew property was going to be for me. You know, if I, if I give you a personal story, when I was 11 years old, um, my mum was made redundant after working 15 years for a central bank in London. You know, she she was paying a mortgage on a very large three-bedroom home. She's the mother of four boys, you know, so you can imagine what that, what that looked like, you yeah. know, not having a, a second income earner in the house. You know, I was 11, my oldest brother was probably 12, 13 at the time, you know, and, and my other brothers are younger than me. So we're in this situation where my mum could go to a traditional estate agent however the thing with traditional estate agents is a lot of them are commission based and target driven so what that means is if this if this month i've hit my target i've sold enough properties to to be okay with my manager or my my regional manager mm. then i don't need to sell your house this month yeah and if you're in a place of problem or you're in a pla place of urgency i don't need to meet your urgency it's mm. actually easier for me to hold your house till next month and sell it next month that's, yeah. that's more profitable for me because then next month i can start to hit my target so for me it was a sense of calling and, and that's just a, a little story in terms of how I really saw this industry and saw people having problems in the first place but in terms of answering you know the heart of the question why should you invest in property mm. or why should someone else invest in property you know there are so many reasons obviously because I'm in the industry like I'm fully immersed I could I could reel off reasons but one of the reasons I'd say which is quite simple is property is one of the easiest investment vehicles to understand you know 
it is actually one of the everybody knows what a property is to yeah. start with if i ask you what's a stock and you you're not familiar with the stock market it will take you some time to actually oh, you know understand. what a house is yeah. that's it you know what a house yeah, is you definitely. know what rent is mm. you, you know you understand you know automatically just from living in the country just from living in a house etc the the common core cornerstones of property whether you understand the lucrative aspects or the creative aspects or how to leverage it to make money that's different but on the bare bones most people already understand the framework or the the mm -hmm. criteria or the context of property so that's first the second thing is property you know statistically you know in terms of research and history it's generally been the vehicle for the largest growth in wealth for all wealth builders across the across the world i know definitely in first world countries like the us and the uk and then secondarily for the retention of wealth mm. so if you're a person who wants to build wealth or you're a person who wants to retain wealth property historically has been the primary vehicle in order to do that so you know one of the things a mentor said to me when i was quite young when i was around 19 20 he said the one thing we learn from history is that we do not learn from history so that's what i find a lot of the time people mm. that are not in property they're not learning from actually actual historical data i'm not saying history always repeats itself mm. but i'm saying if you look back in history and you see that most people have built wealth through means of the vehicle of property or most the people are there in yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah that's what you've said it the blue blueprint is mm. there um it's interesting you said that because i've yeah. I've, I've released um a blueprint it's called the sourcing blueprint um to help people who want to start in property from a property sourcing perspective in terms of finding deals so it's powerful you use that term but you're mm. right in history the blueprint is there so if we leverage that that puts us in a great position so yeah. why should someone invest in property it's a tangible asset you know i didn't even go into that but it's a tangible mm. asset it's an asset that you can see you can feel you can touch um secondarily it's been used historically to build wealth and to retain wealth and then additionally the context is fairly understandable to, to to even a novice even a child yeah but i think one of the um one of the most difficult things when it comes to investing in property well the assumptions that we tend to make when it comes to investing in property is that it takes a lot of capital yep. to get into yeah so whenever i've had conversations with individuals who don't have properties they're always like well i don't have 50k sitting in the bank to buy a property or to even get a mortgage and my credit is poor yeah so what would you say to an individual like that because if we're having this discussion that property or if we're if you're making these statements that property is one of the best forms of investment and it's the best place to to grow wealth and to maintain wealth how would you go about getting into it if you don't have any initial money see or that, any initial funds now that's a beautiful beautiful question um and i've got so many answers coming to my head yeah but and the reason i asked because i know okay. previously we had a discussion and you said um one of the works that you're doing at the moment is creative investment yeah, investing creative investing yeah. yeah so can you elaborate more on that and yeah so cre creative investing i'll start with that creative investing is effectively just being creative about how you invest mm. so that might imply not using your own money for example mm. like you know one of the things i think i shared with you one of the last times we met up was about this this burden in my heart around the, the word inheritance mm. and i started to understand in 2016 that inheritance is anything that you've received that you didn't work for so that might be a pension that you're sitting on which you which you could effectively legally release and start to invest in property that might be equity that you're sitting on you know i think that where i'm going to with this in terms of simple sense is everybody has access to money yeah the issue is not everybody a understands they have access to money or b understands how to access the money they have access to mm. so that's the two that's things the, you know a, a story yeah. i was told once is if i transfer two billion pounds to your bank account but you don't believe there's two billion pounds in your account you won't use your bank account as though there's two billion pounds inside so the first thing i would say is the issue is a mindset shift mm. so for me you know, when I first got into property, a lot of time was spent shifting my mindset and helping me understand that I, I actually was already the recipient of a number of the investment that I needed. The only key for me was to learn to tap into it mm -hmm. or to learn how to offer something um, and to, to get really into the heart of what you've really asked in terms of does property take a lot of money and is it an expensive vehicle to get involved in? You know, I heard something once, I believe it was Zig Ziglar who said it, a motivational speaker. He's a legend, and, yeah. and he said, service to many leads to greatness mm. service to many leads to greatness now why do i say that because you know if you want to get into an industry like I, i'm very big on mentors you know i always speak about the mentors i've had in my life and one of the things i'll say is go and serve you know, like when I started in property, I started by serving. And what do I mean by serving? Did I did I work for free? No, not necessarily. But 
the business offering I started as a sole trader was a sourcing business. And in you know in the UK, it's quite. I could go in depth if if there's time permitted on mm. on on the podcast. But in the UK, the activity of property sourcing is effectively going out there and finding opportunities, securing those opportunities. People mm. define it differently, but for me, it's to find, secure, and then to sell on those opportunities. Yeah. So does that require less capital? Well, or is, you, you think about it. What what does it cost you to find um, um, a shop that sells? a plate mm. you know that's time that's legwork yeah. you know some people call it sweat equity yeah. you know so you are putting something in you know there is no illusion around the fact that you will have to work mm. with anything yeah it requires a certain element of sacrifice and work whether that be capital or physical Excellent. sweat equity 100% is, yeah. you're totally correct so you know you may have to leverage sweat equity and put that in to start with but the point I'm making is a sourcing business in its very fundamentalist uh constructs is a service business mm. because if you find a property and you can agree a price with a seller and you can secure that legally and then sell that onto an investor for a fee yeah you are making a fee but you're not effectively getting an investment mm. you're not going to obtain that property you're not going to secure that property for yourself you're not going to be making potentially rental income or the potential capital appreciation on that property yeah. but you are making a fee but the difference in terms of the whole scenario is you're serving. Mm. So because you're serving, you might create an opportunity where you can actually start working side by side with investors, where you're the go-to guy when that investor wants a new, a new investment or a new asset. He's now coming directly to you. Now that can change the game for people. Like someone with no money or let's not use the term no money because every, like I said, everybody's got access, but someone who's used utilizing a very little amount of money, you know, 300 pounds, 200 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 10 pounds, one pound in order to start in this industry, but goes out with the heart to serve and says, you know what, I'm going to actually find opportunities for other investors. Because one of the things people don't appreciate, again, Zig Ziglar sentence, service to many leads to greatness. When you start serving other people in an industry you actually want to get into, mm. do you know, on with as, an asset class you're actually wanting to build yourself, mm. what you're actually doing is setting yourself up to gain experience without actually leveraging your own finances. Yeah. You're get, learning on the go, there, basically. There, yeah. there you go. Yeah. You know, with so, a very little investment mm. potentially as well. Mm. So yeah, you're totally right. No, that's amazing. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, I recently had a conversation with someone and I thought I'll speak to an expert in regards to this. So yeah. I, had an, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who said he wants to buy a property yeah. and he goes, property always is always high yielding property always brings wealth property always brings money so he's he's under this illusion that if he well i won't call it an illusion until you, you you're better off um qualified to answer this question but he feels like purchasing a property automatically means good investment okay is that the case because i was under the assumption that purchasing the property prior to purchasing it you would have done your calculations your due diligence beforehand yep. to see whether it was a profitable investment or not yeah because not every property is profitable so, so I don't know if you've answered the question yourself, mm. but you know, what I would say about that is there is this illusion that, you know, you can't go wrong buying property. Yeah. All right? And I'll, I'll use that as the slogan. And, and what I'd say is ask, ask hundreds of thousands of people in both the US and the UK and other countries who bought and obviously were subject to the crash in mm. 2007 yeah. and 2008. Yeah. And we all know someone else well, there you go. <laughs> was affected by there, it. There mm. you go. And, and my, my answer to that is no, like... You know, I, I, I'm very cautious of these people who are these kind of, you know, generalists. You know, mm. if I say this general property is, 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 is you never go wrong with property. Mm. You know, the, the reality with property is like any other industry, you need to be educated. You need mm. to have a deep understanding or at least an understanding of how, how the industry works, mm. what your place is in the industry. You know, one of the things I break down to people like that I, I, I speak to in terms of my networking events, etc., is basically there's three ways you can make money in property you mm. can make money through cash flow you can make money through profits you can mm. make money through equity uh, now when you understand that you then or for me i then began to when i first understood that to start to understand the biggest problem most people have mm. who generalize and think property you can't go wrong with property the biggest problem most of them have is they don't understand those three clear distinctive areas yeah. to generate income or generate money so because they don't understand that what they do is they go into every deal assuming they're going to make 
equity, yeah. assuming they're going to make profit and assuming mm. they're going to make cash flow. Mm. Now, the reality is any person who laser focuses, you know, you know, there's this analogy, a light bulb, a light bulb spreads light in a whole room, but a laser can actually tear through stuff. A laser can tear mm. through aluminium, steel, etc. So, so that's, that's just talking about the power of focus. Mm. Now, if I focus on cash flowing assets, you know, I may have no intention for these assets to actually appreciate in value. If they appreciate in value, mm -hmm. good. If they don't, who cares? Yeah. But if I focus on cash flowing assets, I'm focusing on one strand. Mm -hmm. So what that might allow me to do as someone who's learned in the industry is act actually take full advantage of what property can offer me. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I guess what I'm trying to say is no I don't believe personally that property is one of those you can't go wrong, mm. you know? And, and like I said, you know, there's many victims from 2008, etc. But what I will say is that with regards to property, like I shared at the beginning, because it's such a, a, a an easy context to understand, mm. if you can actually become educated through means of courses, you know, there are specialist property investment trainers out there who train on courses, etc. But if you get yourself educated, you understand the marketplace, you can go and, and you know, if I use this word, but you can go and you can go and dominate you can go and dominate yeah. an area you have a heads up don't you yeah, yeah. Def definitely yeah. and you know education is key and that's the reason you do this podcast that's the reason why people 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 work with other people to yeah. learn you know that's why i believe in mentors so Most yeah definitely yeah and touching on the podcast as well that's the reason why i'm, I'm sitting here with you because it's not just an, an informative and educational for the audience but it's also informative and educational for myself Certainly. so speaking as a novice like going out there and looking for property investments what should i look out for and instead of me do, um, going through, uh, instead of me making the assumptions like the individual, the example I just gave, what should I look out for to ensure that the purchase I'm 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 going in for is the right one? Okay, so yeah. like, what are some of the basic steps or yeah, some of the right. basic so outlines that I should? If if you wanna, if you want me to give you some basics, I I, I this is you know this is not not me. I'm I'm not the creator of this, but mm. the person who I think summarized some of the basics best is a, a man named Simon Zucci. Mm. So Simon Zucci has been in, in the property investment world for a very long time. And he, you know, he's actually the, the director of the property investors mm. network, which one of which I host in Canary Wharf. And he says that basically there's five key things you want to look for when you're mm. looking at a property. And the first one is effectively, you want to work with people that are motivated to sell. Yeah. You know, so you don't really want to be buying properties at the price everyone's buying. You want to effectively try to work with people who are motivated to sell, which gives you an opportunity to potentially buy at a better price if mm. you can. So that's the first thing. So that desperation, it, it kind of puts them in a position where they will have to end up selling at a lower price than originally advertised yeah so yeah. I, I thank you for cutting me because yeah. <laughs> because no no because in doing yeah. that you give me the opportunity to actually broaden yeah and so, i'm trying to understand as yeah, well hence so, why I'm so firstly for me again i try my business is all around being ethical mm. so i i wouldn't see it as necessarily the desperation but mm. i was talking to someone earlier you know a very prolific entrepreneur and one of the mm. things i said to this entrepreneur is people like doing things on their own terms mm. and sometimes in life problems cause people to have to make decisions they wouldn't have normally made yeah now what i usually break down to people is in any process of a cell whether it's you know a motivated cell or an unmotivated cell there are three key cornerstones those three key cornerstones are the money the speed mm. and the certainty the reason most people go to Tesco or Marks and Spencers or Waitrose to shop is because they feel certain that Waitrose, Marks and Spencers, Tesco will have what they're looking for. Yeah. The next thing is, you know, with all the marketing that these all, these big brands do, they assume that it's going to be good for their money, mm. you know, and then they assume because the hours are labeled well, etc., and the hours are big and wide that they'll have speed. So, you know, big brands understand speed, certainty, and, and, and the price are basically key factors to any sell. Yeah. Now, what happens with every human being is certain factors cause us to promote or, or, or uh, value one or two of these uh, con constructs more than the other. Mm. So, for example, um, this is what I was sharing with the prolific entrepreneur that I was talking to earlier today. So, for example, you know, if, if a person works in KPMG, and in KPMG, they've got a great apartment in Bermondsey, a two-bedroom apartment in Bermondsey. They, they, you know, they, they commute into the city. They love their life. And K, KPMG in, in London say to them, well, you know what? We want to offer you a, a position in San Francisco in, mm. an, in another office. Now, they tell you that, look, 
in November is when the, the project in San Francisco starts. So you need to be able to move to in, in November. Yeah. Now this person owns this house. They're paying a mortgage on the two bed apartment in Bermondsey, but they now need to migrate. So migration is one of the situations I deal with in my mm. business. Now, because they need to migrate and they need to migrate fairly urgently, again, they potentially now, if they don't have any family or anyone to potentially take over the management, the they need to sell this property. Mm -hmm. Now, they may need to sell because they want to buy in San Francisco. They want to, you know, start in San Francisco, whatever mm. the, the metrics. But the point is, there's three things of importance to them. Speed, certainty, and the price. Yeah. Now, if the speed is of so much importance, so much value to them, that could make the price of less value to them. Mm if the certainty of the buyer so for example if, I, if you're a first time buyer mm. and you're trying to buy this two bed apartment in Bermondsey you might be like yeah I can buy this but last minute the mortgage provider might say well we're not willing to lend to you because yeah. you're a first time buyer yeah. whereas if you're an investor who buys properties two a month or you buy properties one a week you know whatever level you're on but if you're a certified investor who can leverage finance or who has cash in the bank if we just put it in the most simple construct so people can understand mm. I can go knowing I've got the cash in the bank 330k I can buy this apartment right now mm. you know now an estate agent might come and, and you know I've got videos on, on, mm. on social media about market value marketing value and the difference between them but an estate agent might come and give you what i call a marketing value and say oh yeah that apartment's worth 450 yeah now i don't believe in marketing values i believe in market values oh, okay. so a market value is the price that a person will pay all day long to buy that property yeah a marketing value which is what an estate agent gives is the price that they'll give you to put your property initially in the window. Mm. And anyone who sold a property knows it only takes a week, two weeks before that estate agent's calling you and saying, oh, we're not really getting calls at 450. Yeah. How do you feel about us moving it down to 420 or 430? Or if we put it at 410, we'll get a lot of calls real quickly. Mm. Now, I might say to this vendor, look, the market value is 400. You know, 400 is the price. If you put that in a window, you will have three or four people who want to buy it right now. Yeah, straight away, so yeah. the market price is 400. Forget the marketing value that we started with, with the agent, because mm. that's, that's a, that's a time, that's a hope value. Mm. And the issue, the issue a lot of the time with these, with the agent's approach is the agent will give you that 450 just so that the other two agents that come who give you 420 and 430 don't get your business. And then they sign you on an exclusivity mandate and that mandate locks you in for 12 weeks. So you can't and advertise then, with anyone else. There you go. Of time, there basically. you go, and they yeah. then use that twelve weeks to convince you mm. down from four fifty to a more reasonable price of maybe the four ten or four hundred. Yeah. So these these are you know I don't, I don't want to call it games. There's lots of great agents out there. I work with agents myself, mm. but these this is this is the playing field mm. that people are in when they Tricks actually to the trade. Basically. Yeah, they, well, yeah. You know this is the, this is the industry. Yeah. So the issue with that is you know I might come to someone's house and say look. You know, I got 330 that I can pay you today, mm -hmm. you know, and we might have to do, you know, you know, an exchange delay completion. You know, there's there's several, there's hundreds of different approaches we can take to actually buy the property. But the point I'm making is I might say to the to the actual vendor, look, I can pay you 450, but mm -hmm. I'm gonna pay you 450 over a period of seven years, 10 years, mm -hmm. where today I'll give you a 10% deposit of of 45k. And that might be enough for him to migrate to start his, you know, his new ventures in mm -hmm. San Francisco. So the point I'm trying to make is, you know motivated sellers you know is 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 one thing you know trying to buy an asset where 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 the price is not always the the most important factor mm. but speed might be the most important factor is that all part of like starting off on a good foot so you you know that you're not purchasing a property which has been overly valued yeah. so it's just basically getting in there knowing that you're making the right deal initially 100 yeah. percent. you know well, if, you, if you overpay for anything mm -hmm. like you said you already started on the wrong foot yeah you know just yesterday i did a, an interview um, on my we, we have a Facebook uh, group mm. and in that group I, I do interviews with other property investors and one of the things the investor I, I was interviewing yesterday said which was quite powerful he, he just said it simply he said you know you make your money when you buy now yeah. that's an old property adage mm. it's an old property adage that a lot of people who are very old school say you make your money when you buy so you know from Simon's five fundamentals as it were or five golden rules number one is buy from motivated sellers because mm. in a way he's embedding that construct of you make your money when you buy you know yeah. so number two is you always buy in an area with good rental demand mm. 
why is this important? Because, you know, in very simple terms, if there is a crash in the market, if interest rates do go up, if other things, if other factors come and sting you because you've bought in the area of very good rental demand, mm. what that allows you to actually do is still generate rent whilst you need to hold that property through means of maybe a storm. Yeah. So buy with good rental demand. Another one of the five fundamentals or five golden rules is to basically make sure that you're cash flowing positive. Yeah. You know? Sorry, um, not sorry to cut you off, but no, um, so cool. touch on the previous um, point that you made. So how do I know an area has high rental demand? So th there's like on a basic level. Yeah, there's 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 several different ways, but you know, if 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 you say on a basic level, walk into your local estate agent yeah. and ask them simple questions like, you know. Uh, you know, I've got an apartment. If you live in, if let's say, let's use, uh, let's use somewhere else besides Bermondsey. Let's use Barking in East mm. London, for example. You might have a, a two bedroom apartment in Barking. Walk into your local estate agents in 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 Barking and, and just ask them. Look, I've got a two bedroom apartment here. Mm. If I put it on the market with you, how many people would I have wanting to rent it, and at what price? Mm. You know, ask them those questions, and they'll tell you. They might say to you, two bedroom in Barking. 1,100 a month mm. and you're going to have three people who are ready. I've actually got a list of eight people looking for something like that already or, you know, there's you're not going to have anyone who wants that. In this area, we really have families who are looking. So really, if you've got a free bedroom, that's that. That's the asset mm. that we're interested in. So mm. the point I'm trying to make is there's there's going to be certain property that's, that's you know, red hot yeah. in certain areas yeah. and there's going to be certain property that's really cold. Mm. You know, if you've got a bungalow in a certain area, that might not be as appealing to renters or to tenants as other, other as kinds other, of apartments yeah. so it's thinking about it from that perspective yeah so um you you touched on the second point which would be to have a look at in your local area speak to agents and just try to figure out what the rental um demand yeah. demand is within that area yeah, yeah. so you want to you want to make sure effectively that you have strong rental demand mm -hmm. you know and like i shared you know there's basic ways to do that from checking your local estate agents you know check other things you know go go to you know even these days you have news agents who have uh boards yeah up in i've the seen window. quite a few of those yeah especially you know, in east london <laughs> there you go and people say yeah. looking for a room mm. you know some people say i've got a room to rent mm. you know but look at those kind of things because you know the signs are, are in front of everybody mm. you know if you're in an area of strong rental demand you know that usually will it tells itself yeah you know if there's a lot of development in the area that could be an indication that the big companies the big brands the blue chips assume that there's a rental rental need in that area mm. so right now as we speak 2018 we've got excessive amounts of, of building going on mm. throughout Cannon Town in East London um, and that's right next to Excel Exhibition mm. Centre where I do a lot of my work and you know if you think of it from that perspective you know why why am I going to go and build a brand new hotel mm. near Excel why am I going to build a, a 20 floor 20 story um, you know development site it's, it's only because I believe there's a market for it yeah. so if, the, if if big investors are doing that then, then that again these are kind of other ways of mm. looking at metrics for, for mm. rental so demand so that's an indicator within itself basically yeah, yeah. definitely definitely yeah. transport links etc etc mm. so yeah there's so many ways you can break that down but into the micro but on a macro level you know there's estate agents you can speak to um you know and there's even organizations you can speak to you can go and speak to a hospital a local hospital and mm. say you know is, is there a process for housing you know your nurses or process for housing your your junior doctors your your, your starting doctors mm. your you, you know etc so yeah i think one thing i realized i mean in terms of the examples that you're giving is when it comes down to business a lot of it is all about being proactive 100 and going out there and seeking the information and doing the um, doing the research and your due diligence because you're never really going to find anything sitting at home making assumptions. You're going to have to actively go out there in the community, speaking to the right individuals and sources to find out whether the area is profitable or not. So what, what would be the third thing to look out for? Because I know you mentioned there's four or five 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 things to look out for when, when investing in property. Perfect. So the third one is you need to be cash flowing positive. Yeah. Now, what do I mean by cash flowing positive? I'm going to break this down very simple so you get people on occasion who okay i'm gonna i'm gonna share this because i think i think people need to know about this mm. so there's a there's a term we use in the industry called the accidental landlord mm. now the accidental landlord i'll tell you a quick story is basically there's a guy let's call this guy roger now roger owns a, a, an apartment a one-bedroom mm. apartment you know he's just finished his degree at 23 years old he's now gonna got his, his job as a software developer now roger's working as a software developer you know he's making great big bucks 50k a year etc now roger then meets mandy mm. and roger and mandy they start dating they like each other they want to get mm. married they get married 
And Mandy also has a, a, a house. Mm. Let's say she's got a two-bedroom house, a two-up, two-down in the local area. So they get married and they move in together. And when they move in, they move into Mandy's house. Yeah. So now they own Roger's apartment. Mm. Now, that scenario that I've just painted is what we call the accidental landlord scenario. Mm. Because Roger and Mandy now, you know, they now have a rental property. They now say, oh, we've got a spare house. Yeah. So with that spare house, they start usually renting it out mm. or they might sell it, whatever. But in in many cases, people, like you said earlier, they think, you know, can't go wrong with property, must yeah. be a great asset. <laughs> so they start renting it out. So mm. that syndrome or that scenario is called the accidental landlord. Mm. Now, the issue with the accidental landlord is they didn't buy for the purpose of investment. Mm. So for example, they might get a tenant in that apartment, that one bedroom apartment, paying them £900 a month, yeah? But their mortgage on that apartment might be £1,000 a month. Now, obviously, there's additional costs, but for the sake of keeping it simple, let's assume those costs, you know, do not exist hypothetically. Now, what that means is Mandy and her husband are now paying an extra additional £100 every single month so on that's that cash property. flow negative. So now. their cash flow is negative yeah. by minus £100. Mm -hmm. Plus fees. So it's really more, yeah. but just in terms of simplicity. So for £100, they're basically losing every single month. Mm. Now, because they're not cash flowing properly, the problem with that is they're not making a revenue on a month-to-month -month basis. Now, let's say, for example, you know, whole new scenario that, you know, they sold that apartment just because they didn't buy it as an investment, for example, and then they go and buy an apartment mm -hmm. and the apartment they buy, their mortgage on a monthly is £650. Again, you know, hypothetically excluding yeah. fees. Now, again, it's in a similar area, but the rent is not 900 but maybe the rent is 850 But the thing is, because they're paying 650 again, emitting fees, they're making £200 a month. Mm. Now, they're cash flowing positive. So that's the third of the rules. You know, you want to be cash flowing positive just simply because of the simple fact that it puts you in a in a predicament where you're actually generating cash flow yeah. from the actual property. And and you know, cash flow is like I said, it's only one of the three constructs. But for most people who work jobs, uh, which is the majority of people, mm. you know, cash flow is a great asset to to be able to Definitely. have. Especially passive way. cash flow when it's coming additionally from a different source as well. Yeah, so. I, I I I'm I'm not a, a big. Uh, a big supporter of the term passive cash flow when it comes to property. Comes. Because I, I hear the term a lot and that's yeah. why I'm, I'm a user of the term because it, it, it has the connotation that you're bringing in money which you're not actively working for or doing anything for. You've set up a system. Yeah. So what's the reason behind you not being... Just, just, just the fact that there's, there's two notions I try to stay away from. The main notion is get rich quick. Yeah. You know, so obviously you've already alluded to it. You've, I guess, extrapolated it from a lot of things I've said in this podcast already. But, you know, I, I believe people need to graft. I believe people need to work. Most definitely, yeah. So that's part of me. That's first and foremost, the first thing. Just, I, I don't want people to be under the illusion that it's a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm. And when we use the term passive a lot of people have the notion whether it's right or wrong that they don't, the yeah, they don't have to yeah, do anything yeah. like you know I've got I've got a property that comes to mind where you know on a particular day every single month we've got tenants paying us money mm. now you know th this particular property comes to mind because it's the largest HMO that we own it's the largest multi-let property we own mm. so we've got eight tenants in there mm. so effectively I've got eight people paying me money from one particular product or one particular property one particular asset one particular entity mm. every single month now that makes you feel good, mm. but it's not passive. You know, even mm. if I have managers in terms of letting lettings agents managing the property, I need to manage my managers, you know? So again, you know, one of the things that was the biggest epiphany for me when I went into property is, and this is one of the things I share with people all the time, you need to make a decision whether you're going to be an amateur or a professional. If you're gonna wow. be a professional, yes, you will make money, probably doing a lot less work than you do in your day job. Yeah, I, I will say that, but, I just would stay away from the term passive myself because I don't want anyone to have the notion well, that, you know, the money comes in and I do nothing. Yeah. Well, what's the difference between being an amateur and a professional? So is being a professional taken on as a full-time responsibility and being an amateur is doing it part-time-ish? Yeah, beautiful yeah. question. So not necessarily, you know, it's not... Being an amateur and being a professional has nothing to do with time. Mm. Being an amateur and being a professional has everything to do with conduct. Mm. So, for example, how do you conduct yourself? Mm. You know, are you kind of 
nonchalant when it comes to your engagement with agents or mm. or your engagement with the marketplace like mm. obviously having a sourcing business one of the key cornerstones to our business is marketing yeah that like we have to market regularly we have to let people know that we are there to help them if they have a problem in terms of the, with property mm. or if they have a problem which their property being sold is an asset to them mm. or if they have a problem with the management of their property and getting someone else to manage it so it can become more hands-off for them if that's a problem for people we have to market so mm. for example if I'm not marketing then I'm being amateur yeah. because I know I'm supposed to market mm. if if I am marketing then I'm, I'm, I'm being closer to being a professional mm. if my marketing becomes systemized where for example I've got certain things that just happen every month whether I'm I'm telling people to do it or I'm not automating yeah system. yeah like yeah. getting towards systemization automation mm. you know those kind of things is where I would say people are moving towards being a professional yeah. rather than being an amateur like are you trying to buy property and I'm not saying business cards are a big thing or you need business cards but do you have a business card yeah. like you know an amateur will definitely 100% not have a not business, business card, card yeah. that's, that's but you never know when you're going to meet a client or there, a possible opportunity there you, you might go. be on the train and be speaking to someone who desperately wants to sell your property there you go there you go yeah. so there's a there's certain things we guarantee amateurs don't have mm. so for example I, one of the biggest things I'll make it very simple and again like I said it's got nothing to do with time so mm. you can work a full time job when I started in, in the industry I was working a full time job I was yeah. operating as a sole trader outside of my full time work as a teacher which mm. is one of the reasons I love to give back because I'm passionate about education and yeah. teaching now when I say you know it's not about time what I mean for example is do you have a power team you know like for me power teams is one of the biggest things i stress to people like do mm. you actually have a power team do you have a broker you know mm. like for me when i talk about power team i break it down to what i call the team 10 and i've you know i've, I've done videos before on the team 10 all all the key 10 people i think you need if you're going to be serious about your property investing mm. journey journey but the, the point i mean is if you've got a power team if you've got a minimum of roughly like 10 people playing 10 key positions for you in your property game mm. then or on your journey then to me you know, you're a professional. Yeah. You know, because you're working with other service providers who can push you along, who mm. can help you to build momentum. A professional is going to start building momentum and mm. fly on their momentum. An amateur is not going to build momentum. And that's why they're going to leave the game, lose the game, buy, buy a lemon, as they say in the industry, yeah. you know, buy a bad, you know, you know, walk away, you know, get gazumped, you know, yeah. and, and all the other terms that we could use. So, mm. yeah. No, that's beautiful examples you're giving there. Um, what would be the... So we just covered the third point. Yeah. So what would be Buy the fourth cash point? Flow, positive cash flow. So the fourth one is invest for long term. Yeah. Invest for the long term. It's and not a get rich quick scheme, is yeah, it? Yeah, like no. you, you've got yeah. to be thinking long term. Like it doesn't mean don't do short term short-term investment or don't do short-term projects but invest primarily for the long term like what are your long-term goals in mm. the next 5 10 15 years what kind of portfolio do you want to build what kind of portfolio are you working on mm. um you know so there's that like in terms of me just again sharing a bit of my 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 journey you know my end goal in terms of my property journey is three cities with five blocks of flats in each city so that's Amazing. 15 blocks yeah. of flats in total is that like your personal goal no or? no it's not it's 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 my family goal oh, okay and the the reason it's my family goes because with my family there's three main things in our life we're, we're focused on property is one third ministry is one third mm -hmm. and then education is one third so we have our, our long-term vision in terms of education is to create a federation of schools mm -hmm. so that's one school in the uk a, a, a private school which teaches uh, a christian curriculum supplemented by entrepreneurship and enterprise Amazing. so that's going to be three schools one in the uk hopefully in london one in london no hopefully one in london <laughs> one in the west indies and yeah. one in africa and all three schools teaching the same curriculum mm. so how do we fund that now because it's a private school most people have the notion oh you're gonna you're gonna fund it with fees no mm. we are gonna fund it ourselves through property revenue okay. and the reason we're, we're we're making it a private school is so we can have more control over the curriculum that's yeah. probably the only reason but, but we all paid for free school yeah, yeah effectively like it will be it will be a school that's autonomous in terms of its finances mm. now we may charge fees to those students who come that's fine mm. we'll obviously have scholarship programs etc etc but you know in terms of the nitty and gritty that's maybe for another day but because of the entity, because of the long-term vision we have in terms of setting up that federation of schools, mm. we need to fund that. How are we going to fund that? These blocks of flats are going to fund that. Mm. So these 15 blocks of flats in these three different cities are going to, through means of cash flow, fund our educational endeavours. Through means of cash flow, fund our, our ministry endeavours. Mm. You know, so we're not, we're, not, we're not going out there 
you know, in, in, in a simple term, begging people for money. Yeah. But we're actually empowering people. We're saying to people, look, we're not here for us. We're not here to, 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 to pump us up. We're here to pump you up. Yeah. We're here to inject you with insight, education, knowledge, opportunities, you know, uh, creativity, mm. etc. So that's our long goal. So it's the same thing in terms of property. You need to have a long-term vision. You have to mm-hmm. invest for the long-term. So for me, you know, that helps me in several different ways. You know, one of my mentors used to say to me, your vision determines who, who you hang around with. Your vision determines your hobbies. Your vision determines your I'm trying your to get friends. to hang around with you more often you know, now. <laughs> you know, you know, this is what my mentor said to me yeah. years ago when I was 21. He said to yeah. me, you know, your vision determines... Who, who, who you allow to, to yourself to associate, what hobbies you have, etc. You know, yeah. if you want to be around certain people, you might have to start playing golf, you mm. know, and you might think, oh, golf's a silly game. But mm. the reality is you might have to play golf because that's where your client or your, your long-term vision so is. The networking is as well. There yeah. you go. So mm. in saying that, it's like, because our long-term vision to start our federation of schools, to do more in terms of impacting 300 families on a regular basis through means of our ministry, we have to, think long-term with property. Mm. We can't think, okay, let's buy a, a property, renovate it and sell it. Let's do that again, do that again, making 20,000 each time. Okay, after you've done that 100 times, you might have made 2 million, but the reason, the, the reality is, is 2 million going to fund an ongoing school project? You know, so with my wife and I, in terms of our business, everything we do is about outliving ourselves. Mm. So, you know, this is why I create resources. This is why I do videos. This is why I'm on social media. Mm. I'm not, I, I don't do all of this stuff to promote me. Mm. I do all of this stuff to create uh, ripples that will outlive me. Amazing. So if something was to happen to me tomorrow, the portfolio is still there. It's mm. still going to be managed. It's still going to have 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 it have its footing. Uh, if something was to happen to me tomorrow, you know the the, the most recent book, the Sourcing Blueprint, that's still going to be available. The book I'm working on now, Powerfully Pursuing Purpose, that's a book that I'm currently writing. You know that that book is gonna it's gonna outlive me. Mm. You know, like I always think about the Bible, for example. You know, why why use the vehicle of a book? Because the, a book can outlive people. Yeah. It can outlive its author. Miss- remains doesn't it there you go so in terms of property it's exactly the same and and i'm really grateful that you know i learned that those five fundamentals or you know the four we've shared so far Mm. um from simon in terms of that fourth one you know invest for the long term think long term because i had books locked up in me but it weren't until i engaged with the pin community if i'm going to be totally honest and i heard those five fundamentals that i started to understand that those books don't need to stay dormant in me Mm. the education i have the value i have and want to give to people doesn't need to stay dormant in me it can come alive it can be given to people and if i use the right vehicles i.e video social media uh books etc it can actually outlive me yeah and that's where where we get into legacy and actually leaving inheritance which is Mm. what i touch on earlier as well that, that's beautifully said um i and i completely understand the the long-term goal of things but um in in terms of the short term so let's say for instance i want to get into property now yeah i have all these wonderful long-term goals but some people might feel like they still need a certain level of income to be coming in on a regular basis to maintain their lifestyle or just to survive in general yep is that where the cash flow side of things come in and how do you set yourself up for the cash flow side of the yeah um, and that's that's that was rule number three you know yeah buy for positive cash flow so you're totally right that is where cash flow comes in now you know like i said earlier in in the interview there's three different ways to make money in property Mm. cash flow profits and equity Mm. now when you understand that you can like i said you i said it earlier you can get laser focus on one you know so for example if you're a person who wants to leave your job i would encourage you to get laser focus on cash flow Mm. why would i encourage you to get laser focus on cash flow because if you do enough cash flow generating approaches in property that can create a portfolio where what you're generating in cash flow Mm. you know supersedes what you're getting currently on your salary yeah so for example you know i mentioned the eight bedroom property that we have earlier on that eight-bedroom property in profit alone generates £1,400 a month. Mm. In terms of actual uh, revenue, that ge- that property generates in the region of close to four close to four and a half thousand pounds mm. every single month when you exclude fees etc etc you know we're probably net walking away with 1004 mm. but a house one property that generates four thousand pounds for you every single month you know or if if, if we keep it net that generates £1,000 for you every single month. I guess the question you need to ask yourself is how many of those do you need before you're in a a financial position where you can say, if anything was to happen, Mm. like what happened to my mum, for example, if I was made redundant, 
I'm 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 okay mm. because I've got three of these properties yeah. which actually replace. So you're setting income. those direct goals and really putting pen to paper and understanding what you want and what you need as an individual you in go. terms of the amount of money that you want coming in. There you go. And then obviously the long term goal in terms of like what your vision is. Hundred percent. Eventually. Hundred yeah. percent. The way the way I do it is I work backwards. Mm. So I start with the long term because mm. I think that's fundamental to where you want to go. You know, it, you know, I've heard this saying before, if you don't know your destination, all roads lead to there. Mm. You know, because if you don't know where you're going, you, you can go anywhere and, and you're going where you were going. Yeah. But if you have a, a fixed destination and, and, you know, people change as well. So mm. it's not that, oh, you can never change from your destination. But if you have that destination, what you can then do is answer the question they ask, how do you eat an elephant? They say one bite at a time. So mm. you work all the way back now mm. and you say, okay, well, if the long-term vision is to have a portfolio that generates let's say five thousand pounds a month mm. in the next 10 15 years then you can scale all the way back and say to you and ask yourself some pertinent and powerful questions mm. how many properties do i actually want to own as a human being mm. do i want to own a thousand properties 500 properties two properties three properties if your answer for example let's say how many do you want to own to, to be honest <laughs> like i i, I want to own i would say less than 10 properties long term okay. Long term, yeah. Long term for myself, my wife, my children. I probably want to own less than ten properties. Is that individual properties, or could that that could be ten blocks? No, in terms yeah. of my portfolio, yeah. Like yeah, less than ten properties, like less than 10, yeah. 10 units. I, I don't like. For example, I shared with you. Long term, mm. I'm I'm all about philanthropy. I'm all about our education and ministry work. Mm. So, our business may be the controller of. 15 blocks of flats mm. but in terms of my personal portfolio oh, okay. yeah. in terms of my personal portfolio if i own less than 10 properties which which i bought right like this is something i share in my in my property investors mm. network meetings in canary wharf every single month you know for people to really be aware of because i think this is very important it's not about quantity mm. when it comes to property it's about quality the problem is a lot of people run after those who talk about they've got the quantity mm. but the reality is not about quantity and i'll tell you a quick story to get to get to get this really um, honed in. So when I started my property sourcing business, the first client I had was, uh, you know, some people call him an advanced investor or whatever. You can call mm. him all these big, you know, all these big titles. But the reality is he had, he owned 34 properties. Wow. Yeah. 34 properties across the UK. Mm. You know, he had, he had properties in Custom House in, in East London. He had properties in Ilford. He had properties very far in Liverpool. He had properties all across the UK, but his portfolio was 34 properties. Now, the powerful thing about this is of his 34 properties, 18 of his properties were in negative equity. <laughs> now, not negative cash flow, negative yeah. equity. So what that means is he had bought them for more than the current market would pay for them. Yeah. So, he, so for example, let's say he bought 18 of these properties for 100 grand at the time he bought them. Right now, they're only worth 50 grand mm. or let's be a bit nice 60 grand mm. so in a way he's kind of 40k negative on 18 properties so if he decided to sell those properties tomorrow he's actually he's losing money loss. he's losing money yeah. he's losing money he's losing he's losing money to sell those properties mm. and you know these this is again this is the kind of problems in my business i actually solve for people mm. i show them ways i work with them to find ways where they can actually offload those assets you know and they're not to, in some cases they're not even a liability to them mm. or in some cases they're, they're not as much of a burden to them as they would have been mm. if they offloaded them in a traditional sense now the reason that i share this guy's story is because i share this every single month in a property investors network meeting especially for those people that are brand new that that first client of mine with these 34 properties 18 in negative equity was the first real epiphany for me to understand that quantity is not what it's about in property mm. it's actually about quality so for example you know if if one of his properties and, and this is a typical thing a lot of investors even those who've been investing for years a lot of them who don't have a specialized knowledge in their approach they might be generating two three four hundred pounds on a on a single property yeah you got 34 properties if we do the math quickly you got 10 properties make it simple 10 properties generating 400 pound a month mm. yeah so that's four thousand pound you're generating let's let's assume that's net now mm. i know the reality for most people that's not even net, that's not net no. for most people that's the gross mm. but let's assume you got 400 pound net on 10 properties that's four thousand mm. pound coming in a month now i've already explained there's an eight bed we've got which net is generating 1400 pounds a month so that's from one property yeah. so four of mm. those and i'm already 
surpassing this yeah. guy who's making 400 pound gross, but let's call it net mm. on 10 properties. Mm. So again, it's not about quantity when it comes to property. It's not about the guy who stands up and says, you know, I've got the most property in the country. Mm. Now that is commendable. And I, I'd like to think the person with the most properties in the country or the largest portfolio generally is cash flowing. Mm. But from experience, I've seen that people with portfolios of, of more than 30 properties mm. have the majority of their properties in or can have the majority of their properties in negative, negative equity. So, yeah. so, you know, for me, it's not about quantity. It is about going back to some of the metrics you said, long-term, etc. So personally, like I said, you know, if I if I own less than ten properties in my personal portfolio, um, with each of them generating a thousand pound or a thousand pound plus, mm. you know, that's that's a portfolio generating a net of over ten k a month. So a net of over ten k a month is is more than enough money for most people most to live yeah. to live whatever whatever mm. kind of life they want to live. And obviously, again, I'm a bit different. So you know, I can answer that question and say, yeah, I, I want a portfolio of less than ten properties, or ten properties is kind of a good cap for me. But the reality is, obviously, if my business owns 15 blocks of flats mm. then if those 15 blocks of flats are all uh you know whatever like let's say 10 unit blocks yeah then that's 150 units yeah. that my business owns. But that's so, completely separate to your own personal portfolio yeah right? in terms yeah. of inter a different entity, in yeah. terms of legality yeah. yeah you know yeah. but really someone else could argue well samuel you own 150 plus your 10 mm. so really you own 160 so you know uh you know it you know all of this stuff can be broken down in different ways why do you ways. class the business separate entity to yourself even though it would be under you as your business like, yeah that's a, that's a good question i i guess you is know, that a strategic thing is that is that, is that is, personal is that a strategic thing the thing is yeah of course it's strategic yeah. you know of course it's strategic you know people have been doing this for years again you know like i said you know history history teaches us a lot of things like mm. there's 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 people that have gone bankrupt you know I, I guess one of the great examples of that who everybody would know again maybe in in terms of a short story is mm. is, is the current president of the U united states of mm. america you know the current president of the united states of america this is a man who's gone bust in, mm. in terms of millions, millions of pounds. But today he, he's a multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire, <laughs> yeah. whatever you want to yeah. call him, you choose the tag, it will probably fit, mm. you know, and, and now he's the president as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not to say my views are positive or negative about him, but it's just to give an in, indication that having having certain things like a company entity for some people can be very profitable mm. that can protect you at times of a storm mm. you know or that that can allow you to walk away without being scathed through yeah. means of certain situations you know and again you know i'm not i'm not a, a business uh a, a business structure um, professional or anything mm. like that you know I'm just an investor I'm a property investor as I said earlier I'm an entrepreneur I'm a person who has a passion to give value to other people but mm. I've seen how utilizing the vehicle of companies and company structures can help you you know yeah. you know when when we think of all the, the biggest earners in the world you know if, if you know he's, he's late now but if I use the term Steve Jobs mm. you know the next thing people are going to say is, is Apple. Apple yeah. You know, why is that? That's the company that he built, mm. you know, and it's, it goes on and on. If I say Bill Gates, people say window, uh, Windows, you know, mm. it's, it's, these are the companies these people built. And it's not, it's not to say that, you know, you can do it without, you can't do it without a company or, or, or anything. It's just to say that there's certain structures that work for certain people. Yeah. And, and for me, when I look at the Warren Buffett's of the world, you know, the structures they use, they, they use a business, a, a company tr uh, trust. And that's that's another entities. great example of you following the blueprint. That's yeah. already been set prior. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. need to reinvent anything that yeah. that's, that's been created in a, in a great enough fashion for me to learn and, mm. and leverage. So, mm. so that's, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm always about learning and leverage. Just make sure you're learning from the right sources. So, yeah. I appreciate that. So what's the final point then? What's the fifth and final thing to look out for well, from, from, when starting up in the game? From yeah. Simon's list, you know, the fifth mm. thing, and, and again, it is a plug. I, 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 I've got value from it, so I will plug it. But yeah, no, Simon's book, Property Magic, you know, if, if, you, if you go through certain portals, you might even get the book absolutely free. Mm. Um, but Simon's book, Property Magic, explains these five fundamentals in a very in-depth fashion. But, and again, I'm, I'm sharing this only because I, I want to, I, I, I believe in the principle of giving mm. honour where honour's due. I didn't, I didn't create these five fundamentals. They're just five uh, fundamentals. And they work for you. Yeah, as they well, work. For, they work for me. Thing, yeah. Not only they've worked for me, they work for me. They're working mm. for me. They're gonna work for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So these, these <laughs> they're gonna are, work for me as well. They, yeah. they, they're gonna yeah. work for you. You yeah. know, as a viewer, as mm. as a listener, they're gonna work for you if you're if you're diligent in terms of utilizing them. And and remember. 
remember you we've been speaking about this for quite some time but remember mm. you said these are basic you are looking for basics yeah. these are basics I could yeah. go much more in depth be more technical but the reality is these basics they work mm. and, and I found them through means of Simon Zucci and his, his book Property Magic so again you know maybe get the book and you, you can go more in depth in terms of what they offer but very simply the fifth fundamental the fifth golden rule that Simon shares is buy the cash buffer and you know, to break this down, this is, for me, in, in my practical experience in the industry, I've seen this to be the biggest downfall of most of the people I've worked with in terms of the mm. properties I've, I've been able to source and sell to other people. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, when you buy a property, let's say you're buying a property as an investment. Let's say I buy a three-bedroom house in East Ham. Now, East Ham in East London, a three-bedroom house there. I was looking at one the other day. Let's say I pay three ninety for it. I got mm. a, I got a reasonable deal and I paid three ninety. Now, what a lot of people would do is buy that house, rent, get it ready, rent it out, and that's done. And because they're making that four hundred pound every single month, mm. we spoke about earlier. You know, they're happy. They think they think they've 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 they've, they've solved the woes of the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, and by the end of the year, they're gonna get their four thousand eight hundred pounds you know, in cash flow and feel like, yeah, in 10, 20 years, you know, the house value is going to be a million or whatever. You know, all the, all the assumptions. Yeah, so as I was saying, you know, you get these people that, you know, buy this house. Let's, let's, just, let's just create the scenario. So Timothy, Timothy goes and, and with his wife, Tina. Timothy and Tina go and buy this three-bedroom house in East Ham. Mm. I was looking at one recently, a good price, let's say 390 so they've bought this for 390. They've refurbed it for 20k. They're all in at 410 again, excluding fees to make it easy. Yeah. And let's just say that you know they're getting at 400 pound a month. And by the end of the year, 12 months, they've got 4,800 that's coming. And to them, it's like wow, you know, we've invested in property. Yeah. We've done a great deal. Then next year happens, you know, same thing. 48 full occupancy, 100% tenants were paying. Cool, another 48. They're chilling. Mm. Year three, same thing. Wow, they're chilling. Halfway through year four, you know, they've got, instead of the four eight so far, they've got £2,400, half the rent because the year's not over. And the tenants say they're moving out. Two months later, the tenants are out. They get an extra £800 on the, on top of their two four. So now they're at three two in terms of year four. Mm. So four eight year one, four eight year two, four eight year three, three two year four, and the tenants move out. Mm. Now, there's this, there's this thing, this term we use in, in property. We say, we talk about turn, tenant turnover. Yeah. But the reality is if you've had a family, you know, uh, Tim and Tina have had a family living in their house or in their rental property for four years, that house is going to have wear and tear. Mm. That house is going to have a number of I issues potentially that these people had for four years and, and didn't fix or maybe did fix and didn't fix properly mm. or fixed, you know, the way that you'd fix because you live there yeah. rather than the way that a professional would fix. So they might have a drain, for example, at the back of the house, which has just been leaking or a gutter, which has been leaking. Mm. As a result, there's a, there's a green, black and white stain mm. on the wall where it's now started to penetrate the wall. And now inside the house, you got damp for example now the reason i create this story or share this story about tim and tina is because of the very simple fact that how if there's no cash buffer is tim and tina gonna get this house rent ready again mm. how are they now gonna have funds to get the house back to an optimum position and again you got to remember we're four years in the future yeah. so even even the the decor they might have gone for the magnolia old school now. yeah they might yeah, have gone yeah. for the magnolia where right now magnolia is not in yeah so what are they going to do to get their house rent ready and the answer is they're going to need a cash buffer mm. so the fifth of the five golden rules is have a cash buffer whenever you go and get an investment property just make sure you've got a cash buffer whether it's five grand six grand is this a cash buffer that you save beforehand or is this a cash buffer that you build up as you're renting out the property i, I would I I would say that obviously the first is ideal and mm. the second is is not as ideal but the second is it could be a cash buffer if you get there mm. you know obviously if you have six months of tenancy and then tenants move out and they've wrecked your place in six months or they didn't pay rent for six months for example mm. then having had a cash buffer before you started yeah. will help you mm. because you ain't got you you didn't have rent for the mm. last six months so presumably you you wouldn't have 
been able to build that up. Mm. So again, it's all about thinking about it, you know, in terms of what's, what's, what makes sense or what's wisdom for you. Mm. I would say if you can go in with a cash buffer, you're, you're in, a, in, a, in a, an advantageous position mm. um, because of the fact that, you, you know, you're ready to go. And, you know, there's small things you can do like swap outs, you know, and a simple ideology in terms of a swap out is I've got my little £5,000 waiting as my cash buffer on the property. Mm. I get paid my four eight throughout year one. And what I do is I just take that four eight and use it to swap out four eight of the cash buffer. Yeah. You know, so really year one, did I make any profit? No. no. Year one, I just built up the majority of my cash buffer. Mm. Year two, my first 400 pound completes my 5,000 pound mm. cash buffer. But my 5,000 pound that was my cash buffer, I can now go and use it for whatever else, buying mm. a new property, part of a de new deposit, investing with another organization, whatever it is, going on holiday, if that's what you like, mm. I can I can now utilize those funds. So again, you know, you can be creative with it, you know, yeah. but the point is, it's more advantageous if you have it when you go in. If you don't have it when you go in, you know, again, you can be creative and you can you can store it up mm. over time. No, it's, it's been absolutely amazing. And um, these five pointers you've given are of fantastic value to anyone wanting to get into property, any young investors out there. But what would be, if you was to give two pieces of advice to a young aspiring investor or property investor or business person or entrepreneur, it doesn't necessarily have to be about property in essence. What would be those two pieces of advice be based on your experience that you've had in, in your years of um, entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think that's a powerful question. I think the, mm. first, the, first, the first answer I would give is start now. Yeah. You know, start now. And... Um, you know, everybody, I believe, has heard the statement, time yeah. waits for no man. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, start now. You know, if, if you start writing that book today, you will hopefully be one day closer to finishing it than if you start tomorrow. Yeah. You know, start now. You know, I've heard people say tomorrow's not promised. You know, there's all these all these catchphrases, slogans mm. I could use, but the reality is, I would say start. They're non-progressive, aren't they? They're, they're, <laughs> when you go. really look deep into, it, I realize that none of them are really progressive. There you yeah. go. Start yeah. now. You know, because what I've found for myself is that in 2005 is when I, I really got interested in property in terms mm. of actively and and I wanted to do something, and the way I wanted to get in is I, I was going to do my first degree. I had student loan money. I didn't move out of my home. Mm. Um, I was I was living with my parent. And I, I, said, I said to my dad, I said, dad, look, I got this student loan money. Let's invest in property. Mm. You know, and my dad said, now's not the right time. You know, now the issue is I didn't know better questions at that point. Mm. I should have asked a better question like, okay, so when's the right time? Mm. And that would have helped me understand that, you know, nobody knows the future. So if nobody knows the future, start now. Mm. You know, but the reality was, I, I didn't start in 2005 as actively as I could have or should have, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I'm not a person who lives with regret, but I, I've learned from that. Mm -hmm. And I realized that taking action, you know, I've got a slogan. Um, it's on my website, samuelkimwin.com. But, you know, the, the slogan's there in big writing. It says, action begets action. You know, mm -hmm. that's one of my, my key slogans. I always say it to myself. Action begets action. You know, me being here on this podcast will cause me to take other action. Mm -hmm. You know, me doing the interview I did yesterday will cause me to take other action. Mm -hmm. Me going out and, and having a flyer campaign where my leaflets go out to 4,000 properties in, in an area in East London will cause me to take other action. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just the fact someone calls me and I have to take the action of answering my phone mm -hmm. to say, hi, yeah, this is Samuel. I help people sell properties quickly or whatever. The point mm -hmm. is action begets action. Action. So the first ad advice I'd give to someone who, who's starting out as an entrepreneur or very interested in going into property investment is start today, start mm -hmm. now. The second thing I would say is, is basically align yourself with people who know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, people who know what they're doing and who are willing to give you, give you, give you that insight. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, again, this is, this is something I learned from a mentor when I was very, very young. I think I was 18, 19. And uh, what the mentor said to me is, Samuel, why take 70 years to learn what you can learn in seven hours from reading the book of someone who took 70 years to learn it. Mm. And and that that stays with me and it's going to stay with me till the day I die. And this is the reason why I want to write books or, or write more books. This is the reason why I like giving value. This is the reason why I always think about capturing my value in ways that can outlive me because I always think to myself, I now want to do for the community, for people, for, for, for investors, for others, what was done for me. 
You know, yeah. I want to I want to provide that blueprint. I want to provide that manual. I want to provide that resource. I want to provide that insight. I want to provide that eureka moment or whatever else it is for other people to be like, oh, you know what? I was watching this guy's video and I realized I can do it. Yeah. Or I, I was watching this guy's video and I realized I should do it. Or I was watching this guy's video and I see the game plan. Mm. I see how we can do it with very little resources or physically or financially or whatever. So for me, they, they will be the two takeaways that I would definitely say to anyone who's budding and wanting to start up first thing start now and second thing align yourself with people who know what they're doing mm. and who can help you and you know if if you think i'm one of those people if you think my values resonates with your values because i think that's a very key thing to start with mm. making sure there's congruence in values because what happens is you can have someone who has all the knowledge you 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 want and all the knowledge you need to be successful however their values are not congruent with your values mm. and the problem with that is that starts taking you on a different journey long term yeah you know so for example i remember when i wanted to be uh, very active in terms of learning about property there were two potential um organizations that i i considered going with and you know i'm not a proud person i like to operate in a very humble manner and i just remember that although i don't believe one of the organizations organizations is a very proud organization they they were very strong on using uh, what I believe are pride metrics in terms of their marketing, oh, okay. in terms of these are the cars we drive. Yeah, this these yeah. this is how big our it's portfolio is. Mm. It was very mm. very material based mm. marketing. Mm. Now again, you know, I've had the fortune of meeting uh, the people at the top of that organization, mm. and like I've said, I don't believe necessarily they are pride based in that sense. Mm. That it's not all about ego and materialism. Yeah. but because they led with that marketing that was for me the indication that I didn't want to go with them in terms of my training. Mm. And again, it's not to say to anyone do or don't. It's just to say to people, my core value in that is align yourself with people whose values are similar to your values. Yeah. So, you know, if I if I drove up today to, to this interview in an Aston Martin, it's not something I, I'm, I want to talk about. You yeah. know, it's just, that's the vehicle I used to get mm. here. If I drove here in a Mini Cooper, it's not something I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is how I can add value to people. Mm. So I generally try to align myself with people like that people who are not about this is what I've got and this is what I've been able to yeah. do but people who are more so about this is how I can help you yeah. you know and this is what I've got to help you and in, so, and in saying so I know personally from attending your event that you host a event called PIN can you tell us a bit more about PIN just before we call it a day so yeah. just elaborate more about what PIN is about and the networking programs that you hold and how people can meet those individuals who you just discussed in terms of aligning yourself with the right individuals yeah. to start your journey that's powerful I didn't even mm. connect the two so thank you for doing yeah. that that's, that's powerful <laughs> but basically I'm the host of um, one of the property investors network uh, meetings so mm. these these are I host one of 50, 50 plus meetings which take place across the UK every single month except for in August and December so in August we break because obviously even property investors need a holiday yeah. and in December the same so basically it's been great this month having having a month off of doing the networking mm. event because it's allowed me to get in and do things like this um, interview etc so with PIN, uh, P-I-N standing for Property Investors Network, um, it's an organization that was founded originally by Simon Zucci in 2003. And it's all about helping people who are in the property industry, whether beginners or very advanced, to basically network with other people in the industry. Um, and Simon started it because he found that his property investing journey when he started was very lonely. Yes, he might speak to his solicitor. Yes, he might speak to his broker. But Besides that, it was very disjointed. Mm -hmm. And he wanted basically to create a community of people that could work together, encourage each other, etc. And as you mentioned, you you know, you've obviously attended those meetings and seen the kind of camaraderie that we basically facilitate. Yeah. So you know, up until last month, I was hosting two of those meetings, one in Watford, um, which has now been passed on to a new set of hosts. And then additionally, the one in Canary Wolf, which I continue to host. So the Canary Wolf pin, um, if you're interested in attending, you can go to www.canarywolfpin.co.uk and you can see kind of what we're doing there. But in a nutshell, what we do is every single month we host two different speakers and these particular speakers are very advanced property investors so these mm. are people that have been investing for a number of time with great portfolios you know and i'm an avid student so i'm always there listening and learning even though i host the event and basically what happens in the event is we allow you to have two presentations one which is a 25 minute presentation from one of the speakers and then the longer presentations a 45 minute presentation from another speaker and then riddled in between that we have a networking break for people to network with one another we have a service provider 
providers opportunity where people in the room can stand up and share for 20 seconds a service or opportunity they have to basically share which could be of benefit to other people in the room um as well as a lot a lot of other things we have informal yeah. networking from 6 p.m to 7 p.m so you know it's it's, a, it's an amazing event it takes place on the first thursday of every single month except for august and december um and yeah if you if you can come down come down connect connect with me additionally if you're interested in property sourcing specifically and if you're a person who thinks you know what i've heard what you said today samuel and i'd, I'd really like to get into property sourcing you can go to the website www.sourcingblueprint.com www.sourcingblueprint.com and what i've done there is i've put there uh, a publication an e-publication an electronic publication that can be sent to you via email um or, or it can be downloaded one of the two where basically uh, that will give you some insights into the power of the four core constructs mm. that i find um to be you know fundamental to to growing starting and building a property sourcing business as well mm. so that's amazing and um i'll definitely be an advocate of people attending your meetings i've been there myself i know the true value that it holds coming there and the fantastic individuals you meet as well in terms of like the networking side of things so samuel it's been an absolutely pleasure having you on today and, to be and i'm definitely going to have you back and we're going to delve into a bit more deeper into property some of the more technical sides of things but we started off today as an initial introduction to who you are and some of the basics in regards to getting into property so it's been an absolute pleasure and really appreciate having you on today thank you for having me yeah. francis it's been a pleasure to be here as well and cool. thank you to the viewers as well yeah. viewers and listeners cool stay blessed I can't stop.